and I was broke when I was like 22, 23, whatever. And so like I just ate whatever was convenient as a lot of us do. And you know, meal prepping solved all of those things because it's like my food was already ready to go. I didn't have time to stress about where I was going to get it. I knew it was healthy. I knew it wasn't gonna like hurt later somehow. I was saving money by doing it. I did it for myself, of course, when you lose a little bit of weight and you're like happier, everyone's like, what are you doing? And at the time I was working at a gym and a yoga studio and everyone kept asking me that. And so I was like, well, I can do it for you. You're listening to the You Might Be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Todd, an average everyday girl with a nine to five job and a passion for storytelling. This podcast takes you behind the scenes in discovering truly inspiring personal success stories from all kinds of individuals and how they paved their way into becoming their own version of a badass. I speak with entrepreneurs, nine to fivers, stay-at-home moms, athletes, and everyone in between. My goal is to discover the different depths in which we define what it means to be successful. Success means something different to every person, and ultimately, if you're pursuing your passions and living life to the fullest, you too just might be a badass. In the last five years or so, the world of meal prepping has completely shifted. What was once a ritual for mostly bodybuilders and people who participated in fitness competitions is now a commonplace for people with busy schedules or looking to keep track of a particular diet or in need of a little or a lot of extra help in the kitchen. Today's show takes you into the kitchen of a company called Prepped for Days. I sit down with founder Lorena Flores, who tells me about her hectic schedule creating and prepping meals for people all over Los Angeles with just two people. Yes, you heard that right, two people, as in four hands total. Lorena's journey from a small city in Texas to Los Angeles began when she pursued her dreams to become an actor. After a few years hustling in the business, she quickly discovered that her relationship with food was becoming more about losing weight to fit a certain image rather than how to fuel her body properly. I would say the rest is history, but I think you might want to hear the episode first. Okay. Hi, Lorena. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I've always wanted to be on a podcast, so this is kind of cool. Oh, amazing. Well, I'm happy to uh, help that dream become realized. It's actually, it's super fun, honestly. Like it, it just is like a casual kind of phone conversation. Yeah, um, I love it. But yeah, so why don't you go ahead and introduce everybody um, to yourself, um, who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Lorena Flores. I'm from Mission, Texas. I am the owner and founder of Prep for Days. Um, I just founded the company about a year ago, but, um, you know, there's been a lot kind of that led me up to that. And um, I've worn many hats. So um, I do think it's all kind of led me to where I am, though. So, um, yeah, I'm just super excited to sit here and talk about it because it's it's been quite the ride. Oh, yes. Well, we'll definitely dive into all of that. Um, you said Mission, Texas. Where Where is that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a border town in very, very South Texas. And I say very, very South because I think when I say South Texas, people think it's like San Antonio. But um, mm-hmm. I was literally still 
four hours south from San Antonio. So it's a border town, like very close, yeah, to Mexico. Wow, wow. Um, when did you move here to LA? I know that you um, were pursuing acting at one point. Are you still doing that? Yeah, so I moved here when I was 21, um, mainly to pursue acting. Um, and that was awesome. I think growing up, I was um, an athlete. I was always in sports and I was always like good enough. Like I was on varsity, you know, as a freshman for uh, softball and and volleyball. I think I was like on a varsity team when I was like a sophomore or something. And so I ran track. Like I was always good enough to get on like a, the varsity team, but I was never like the star. And then um, my senior year, I just on a whim um, auditioned for the drama like play the play that they were doing that year and I'd never been in that like club I'd never auditioned or anything but I don't know what it was that just pushed me to do it and then I got like the lead of the play after one audition (laughs) and yeah and it gave me just I don't know a sense of like I don't know you know purpose or excitement or whatever just like it just totally energized me to pursue acting so very quickly after high school I got an agent out of Dallas. Um, she brought me to LA when I was like 21, 20, when I was like 20. So I dropped out of college and which my mom had thoughts on and, um, (laughs) I had got a second job and I saved up for six months. Um, you know, that whole story of like moved out here with like $500 and, I mean, I really, I did really just, I did that, um, that exact thing. And I pursued, I pursued it really hard. I think the last, the, the first three to four years I was here. And then I think I just quickly realized, you know, a, a lot of people don't, a lot of people just see the end result with acting, you know, they see someone on screen and they see them on a red carpet and they yeah. see them, you know, they see the end thing. And so much of acting is not that, you know, it's, it's you, you have to, I mean, I like totally busted my ass auditioning for things I did not want to audition to, uh, audition for. And, uh, you know, running around LA doing all of those things mm-hmm. for years can get super exhausting. You spend so much money on like workshops and, and acting classes and headshots. And so I was just, you know, that broke struggling actor for, for so long. And then the payoff of it was, you know, which I'm really grateful for because I know a lot of actors don't have this be the case, but you know, within two and a half to three years of being here, I got like a, a record, a recurring co-star on a show that was um, on FX. It was really awesome. And that was a big deal. I, for me. I actually worked on that show. I, on I don't the know. Bridge? Yeah. No way. Very briefly. I worked in that, um, basically for the marketing campaign uh, for a couple months. That's interesting. That's really I know. Cool. very small world, but very small world. That was a really awesome show. I, the first season I was on, I think three episodes and it was super cool, super exciting. Again, like, don't get me wrong. I'm really grateful for that. But again, you know, a day in the life of an actor is literally like you book the role and then you go to set and sometimes you have a decent call time and sometimes you don't, but then you just go and like, you sit there, you just sit there for hours and you wait in your trailer until you come out for hair and makeup, which, take, which takes hours. And then you go back to your trailer and then you sit for more hours and then you finally go on the set and it's, 
stressful. I mean, to say the least, there's all these people there watching for you to do this one thing. Yeah. And you might do it four times. You might do it 400 times. I just very quickly after booking a few things on a few shows was like, this is super fun. I love it. And I'm super grateful for it. But like, I don't know that this is going to be my bread and butter. I don't know that if me being an actor is going to be like my end all be all. And so that was kind of a a pivot for me. Um, But do I still do it? I just auditioned for something a couple weeks ago. I initially had let go of my um, management. And then once COVID hit, I was like, well, everything's virtual. Like, why not just put my name in the hat again? And my old agent was like, yeah, you know, she was like, go for it. Like, why not? You know? So yeah, I, I, now it's just fun. And again, I I think I'm really grateful for the experience, but it's like, it's a hard actors really grind. I mean, you know, everyone does in their industry, but like, I really like take my hats off to them because they work really hard. It's brutal. Yeah. Um, But I I feel like kind of going back to you having that moment of realization, like maybe this isn't for me. I feel like at some point in our lives, we all go through that, right? We all kind of get to a point where maybe not all, but you've sort of worked this up in your head of like, this is the end all. This is the dream for me, but you don't know until you go through it and you experience it and you try it out and you get that hands-on experience. Um, totally. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to kind of recognize that, uh, you know, it wasn't bringing you the joy and satisfaction that you thought that it might um, initially. Yeah. And, you know, the most exciting part, which is weird to say, but actually for me is auditioning because it's, there's this like rush, you practice, 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 practice. And then you go into audition to this room, like you go to Netflix, right? Or you go to like HBO, which I've been to several times. And there's all these people there. And it's super nerve wracking. But for some reason, it's so exciting for me. Like it's what most most actors or I don't say most, it's a generalization, but a lot of actors hate that part of it. And they love being on set. And I'm like, Oh, I love auditioning. It's so exciting for me to just have this one shot. And then leaving, like, especially if you like killed it, leaving, knowing you like mic dropped, it's like the best, <laughs> the best, you know, like whether you get it or not, who knows, but like, it's just, I think it's also really good training and it's really prepped me for kind of starting a business is that you don't know whether you're going to, something's going to land. You just don't. And you just, but you have to go for it and you have to be vulnerable and you have to be confident. And I think, I genuinely think that all of those tools help me to kind of build a business now. And it helped me find that, right? Like it also helped me find um, like what you were saying of just like a moment of clarity. I think everyone kind of needs that. So yeah. So it's still in my life, but not the main thing. Little side piece. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. <laughs> just kidding. Um, okay. So let's, let's pivot into to prepped because yeah. I think obviously that for you, that's been such a, a focal point over the last you know, however many months, but I feel like this kind of new world or new era of um, meal prepping has totally been flipped upside down in a great way, right? It's like totally made this resurgence and allowing people to have access to food in a whole different way. So I, I love the accessibility and I love the customization basically everything. (laughs) Um, but, but I, I obviously want to get to know kind of the background work and, and where it all started for you. Um, so yeah, a little peek into that. 
Yeah, so um, it all kind of ties back into acting, but um, as an actor, I was a waitress, yoga teacher, personal trainer, like all the things that every actor does, you know, to like try to pay the bills. Um, But I think, you know, another, I don't want to say a dark side of acting, but like it was a dark side for me is that like, I think I've always had weight issues and I've always had maybe not even weight issues, but self image issues. And, and I think that being an actor really highlighted that part about me um, in a bad way, obviously, because, you know, if you are a little bloated from like a meal you had (laughs) um, and you go on to set it, it, you can tell. And if you already have kind of this dysmorphia in your brain about how you look, it's really, it's really hard. It's just hard to go through that day in and day out. And trust me, for some reason, people on people feel like they can just comment about your body and judge so harshly when you're when you're an actor, like they feel like that's like their right to do so. And so I got a lot of that, especially from like people I had on my team at the time. They say they would say something to you about your weight. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, like, what I'll never forget is my manager at the time when I first moved here was I think I was about, I was 20 years old and I was probably 130 pounds and I moved to, I'm like five, two and I moved to LA and I lost about 11, 11 to 13 pounds. So I was much thinner. I worked to be much, much thinner to when I came out here and like, yeah. I did it in a very unhealthy way. We won't go into it, but it, it was <laughs> not a healthy way of losing weight. I was obsessive. And I got here and I met with her and she's like, oh, you know, you know, if you could just lose like 15 more pounds, like just 15, you know, right. It was at the time when Desperate Housewives was like a crazy uh, craze. And Gloria, she had a partner, like an agent partner or something. I don't even remember. I don't really, I like blacked that out of my memory, but I just remember her saying, you know, so-and-so agent represents Eva Longoria, who's like tiny she's the tiniest little person you know yeah and she's half of a human <laughs> exactly and like if you want to be on that show which we think you can we think you can play like her cousin we think you can play her sister you need to you just need to drop weight and like I was so young I was so impressed you know I was 21 I was like a baby and I of course was like oh my god I need to lose this weight and like you that's so detrimental to, again, someone that already had issues with their weight that already had lost as much weight as they could. So, you know, I would run like six miles a day. It was crazy. Like I was just doing the craziest things. And very long story short, I quickly realized, okay, this is not attainable. This is not something that I want to keep doing to myself. And it's just unnecessary. And and it made me incredibly anxious and incredibly depressed. So I just kind of, at some point, just said, you know, an F you. And I stopped trying to lose weight and I dropped that manager. Um, I did find better representation that didn't really care about my weight at all, which was wonderful. But with that, it led me to fitness and yoga and wellness and all of that. And I became a trainer first and then I became a yoga teacher. And yoga was definitely my... And still is in a lot of ways my passion. Um, I think more so not the physical part of it now, but but the spiritual aspect of it. And it just got me, you know, to really realize what matters. And it's not it's it's not the weight on on your scale, you know, it just the number on your scale it just isn't. And you know, not to say that people shouldn't, you know, be healthy and all those things and be mindful of 
their health and maybe certain people do need to lose weight. But for me and my personal experience, that was not the case. I needed to fix kind of what was going on up here. Yeah. And yoga helped with that. So I needed to fix my relationship with food and which was very, which, and then there's still moments where I have it, but it was still very like, this is good. This is bad. Right. So bread is bad. Broccoli is good. And that was the whole mentality I had. And it wasn't until I ended up getting sick. I ended up getting, um, I had like a hormone imbalance basically. And I was teaching a lot. I kept losing my voice and I ended up going to a bunch of doctors. I didn't know what it was because it wasn't just from like overusing my voice. It was actually a hormone issue that I didn't know I had. And then I had like a, a gluten intolerance that I didn't know I had. So that was two things that were conflicting that were making my, I had like a post nasal drip constantly. So it was making my voice, like me lose my voice, which is kind of interesting. So I went to this East West doctor. He's really awesome. And he's like, you need to start meal prepping so that there's no allergens in your food. So no wheat, no soy, no egg, no, it was like a really hard, it was, it's called the elimination diet. Yeah. Yeah. And you just remove basically any allergen from your diet for about a month. And then you start to reintroduce them slowly so you can see what you're allergic to. And that's how I kind of realized I had an allergy to gluten and I had a sensitivity to dairy, which I kind of already knew. But that coupled with this weird hormone imbalance that was triggered through stress and depression from trying to lose so much weight. Yeah, Uh, seriously. Yeah, it kind of threw everything off. So um, when I started meal prepping, just everything changed. Everything changed. You know, I I shockingly lost some weight. That was that was kind of but natural. You know, um, mm-hmm. it was. I didn't have this relationship with food that was like this is good or bad. It was very much just like oh, I this will make me feel this way, and this will make me feel this way. Yeah, this will give me energy. This will make me. Um, you know, this is more soothing. This is a warming food. This is a cooling food. And this, you know, this food has um, a little bit more hydration um, and this food doesn't, you know, so it's, it was more about the value of food and what that, what value food has over, you know, just good or bad, which is again, really detrimental to set to it's such a diet culture. Um, Absolutely. And um, I mean, as you're a, a victim of it, that's kind of, the Los Angeles culture and kind yeah. of with it. But you're right, like food is fuel. It's yeah. like it's like a basic idea, but like that's that's what the calorie is. But it yeah. actually does adjust all of these things that your body reacts to. It's so like it's so beautiful to me. I, I really geek out. It is. It's nature. It's nature. Yeah. 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 And I think that 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 was the main thing that I learned from it, aside from just the uh, other things of like scheduling, like my day wasn't so like built around, well, where am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? What is it going to be? Is it healthy? Where did I get it from? How much does it cost? You know, uh, you know, and I was broke when I was like 22, 23, whatever. And so like, I just ate whatever was convenient as a lot of us do. And you know, meal prepping solved all of those things. Cause it's like, my food was already ready to go. I didn't have time to stress about where I was going to get it. I knew it was healthy. I knew it wasn't going to hurt, you know, it wasn't going to like hurt later somehow. I was saving money by doing it. So I did it for myself. Of course, when you lose a little bit of weight and you're like happier, everyone's like, what are you doing? And at the time I was working at a gym and a yoga studio and, um, and everyone kept asking me that. And so I was like, well, I can do it for you. 
and I didn't know what I was doing. I would literally charge like a hundred dollars a week. I was like paying them for me to meal prep for them. And, um, I cooked for maybe about five clients for about a year-ish, wow. you know, a very, just in your kitchen, just as yeah. if it's, yeah, like very, yeah, totally. It was just, I, I just did it cause it was exciting and it was fun and, and it fed that creativity, like that creative part of me too. Cause cooking is, is that way. And I, that's kind of how it started. And then I still very much kept the yoga and the fitness, um, as like my bread and butter. And I didn't choose to make it an actual business. So I did that on the side. It was like my side hustle for probably two and a half to three years. And I did that because at the time I was working at a yoga studio and I was promoted to a studio manager. It was a really busy studio and I worked like all the time. And so I just didn't have the time to make prep to what I knew it could be. And I, you know, applied to get promoted there. Cause again, it's what I thought I wanted. And, and I, and I did, I will be really honest and say that I totally did want that promotion and I didn't end up getting it. And I was so devastated by that, but it was so clarifying to me because, you know, it's just one of those moments of like, if you know now what you know, then type thing. And yep. um, so now I know exactly why I didn't get it. And I'm so grateful for that. But it, that was a moment where I was like, okay, I really need to ask myself, like, am I going to continue trying to climb, climb this ladder, ladder here at this other company? Or am I just going to build my own? Because it was always kind of in the back of my head. But that was the, uh, again, another like catalyst moment. And there was a pivot of like, okay, yeah, no, I need to just do my own thing. So then in September, 2019, ah. <laughs> it was a very long winded way to get there, but I thought all the stuff was important. Absolutely. I, I needed all of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So here we are. And thriving. How did you like first take those initial steps of like actually creating the business, right? So you at one point had to kind of say goodbye to your other work and put all of this energy into it. What were the, some of those like logistical, okay, yeah. I need this material. I need, you know, right. X, Y, Z in order to kind of piece it all together and actually have it function as a, as a successful business. So I left my job at the yoga studio and I needed a job. That job was very, very well over 40 hours a week, like very easily well over 40 hours a week. And I didn't, I just didn't have time because I was exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. So first order of business was just leaving there and getting a job that, you know, paid me um, the same, if not better, but it was a very like clock in clock out and I wasn't exhausted. So um, I got that. So that was my biggest first order of business. And I actually really suggest um, a lot of people that are trying to like get a, a business off the ground. If you can't already just pull money from like make money from it, um, definitely get a job where you can go in and, you know, get all your bills paid and, and then at, in the evening grind on your business. Cause for me, I could have very easily just left the job and started doing prepped completely and just like hustled and hustled and hustled. But the quality of work, I think sometimes you need to produce when you're first starting at all, really. But um, when you're first starting is you can't, it can't be like fueled by needing, by stress of needing to pay your rent you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. At least it wasn't for me. And I, so I, I knew I needed to get a job that like took care of that off my back. So I did that. And then, um, you know, you think about it's, 
I, I knew that branding was going to be everything for prepped and I'm not saying I'm this like brand guru cause that's not true. But, um, I knew that branding would be really important because a, I know that we're small and B, I feel like the companies that are already out there that are really big, um, have really great branding. So if I wanted to be taken seriously at all, I wanted it to, I wanted branding to be like a, a big thing. Um, and so I spent time on finding a graphic designer and someone that could help me with social media. Cause those are two things that I'm not good at. Like I'm terrible at both of those things. And so <laughs> I need to find those two people and they just kind of both fell in my lap. And those are the two people that I invested in to get all of that off the ground. So logos, graphics, branding for the, uh, food sleeves, um, you know, stickers, bags, like everything you could think of, you know? It all happened really slowly as it was still self-funded, but um, those are probably the, the two things that I that I started on. And then the second investment I made was the website, a functional website that was really order friendly. So we had one up until a few months ago, actually, or actually a couple months ago, I had a website that wasn't as you know, order friendly. It was just like a Wix website or something. <laughs> so, um, you know, you do have to start somewhere, but <laughs> yeah, you do have to start somewhere. And I, I definitely started there, but I, my, my second investment was definitely on the website and, you know, my plans were very different pre COVID. Sure. <laughs> Once COVID as, hit. As many of us are. Yeah. yeah. And so honestly, I'm just, I, I'm, I, if I'm being really honest, we were doing good. We were kind of like on a steady uphill. When COVID hit, we just hit like a stop. I think I think just the world stopped. I think I, I think a lot of people assume that meal prep would be booming right now. And maybe it is for other people, but for me, I was already just starting. So it was already it was already a slow a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And COVID hit and we had a little bit of a pause. And now we're slowly working our way up. And I think that with fitness being virtual, we found this way of, I say we, because I really do talk to, I have marketing manager and I have digital uh, graphic designer and I have a kitchen assistant and I really do talk and run everything by them because you need to get all this stuff out. And I, what COVID I think taught me was leaning into the other part of my life, which was deeply rooted in fitness and, and bringing it together with meal prep, which is something I don't think any other meal prep company is doing. And to um, it's just where my strength is. It's, it's like, I, I think in, um, when I worked at core power, which I don't know if I said their names yet, but here we are, I worked at core power. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my biggest strengths was finding talent and finding, or just really teaching quality classes, I think, and finding people that do the same. And I just thought to myself, well, what if we, you know, get back on to the grind of, getting more clients by uh, focusing on a total wellness package with fitness and meditation and yoga and everything involved with with meal prep and not just meal prep. So yeah, I mean, pre-COVID, totally different plan. Post-COVID, I think we kind of changed our our mindset to not just meal prep, but having it be like a, a complete stop for fitness and wellness and nutrition tips and cooking tips and you know, keeping it light, we're not doctors, obviously, but at the same time, knowing that, you know, fitness and nutrition and planning ahead is kind of the, the, the key to success for, for whatever it is your health goals are. I love that evolution of kind of identifying 
where people's energies are starting to shift. And I think quite honestly, I'm imagining that this is going to continue in a post-COVID world. And so that's super smart to kind of give people this holistic view of what it means to be healthy and they can pick and choose from whatever those options are. Um, but that's, that's super smart. Yeah. Tell, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Yeah. I was going to say exactly. I think that COVID just, just taught us that it's, it's, you know, you can work out a lot and not see any results, but you could probably edit your food and when you eat and how you eat it mm-hmm. and not work out and get results. So it's almost Yeah. So it's almost like, uh, it's just having then a brand that teaches people that, that simple, that simple fact, you know? Absolutely. Um, how did you craft your menu? Yeah. You know, I wish I had a better answer for this, but I just think about it the the week before I have to post it. Like, honestly, I, I mean, I cook for myself a lot. So I use that. I'm like, wow, it's really good. I'm going to use that on the menu. But other than that, I'm just like, okay, I need, well, I guess there are a few points that I do stick to, but for the most part, the recipes just, I just kind of make them up. I do need, I do try to have two to three vegan options, two to three chicken off chicken or turkey options. And then two to three, what did I say? Seafood and seafood options. Mm, okay. So we don't do beef or pork, but those are the things I try to stick to. So it's like, if from the previous week, oh, and, and the other point is from the previous week, I do keep the best sellers. So like, for example, um, last week we had this turkey, teriyaki turkey soba noodle dish that just sold like hotcakes. So we're just keeping it on until it doesn't sell anymore. And I'll just replace you know, the dishes that weren't really popular to other dishes. And in the fall, I do try to keep it like fall themed. Um, And this particular menu, I had inspiration from our family style meals. So we have family style meals, meal prep and meal kits. And our family style meals are um, obviously all fall themed. And the reason for that is like, if you know, you have family over or you just want, it's just you and your family, but you want like, you know, a fall themed dinner. You can order, you know, brown sugar, Brussels sprouts and sweet potatoes and butternut squash soup and some cherry balsamic chicken. So I just basically transferred that to meal prep dishes. So fall's easy because the themes are so like obvious, you know, (laughs) other than that, like, yeah, my two rules are like, keep the best sellers and make sure that each category has enough options. And then we don't change. We just started not changing the menu until uh, every other week, just because the customization is so like you can customize every meal however you want. So I figured it's just it's it's enough variety for people yeah. that order every week to feel like they can still have some change within the second week. And then we edit the whole menu. We've been talking about food for like three minutes and I'm already starting. <laughs> like, I know. Okay. I haven't eaten lunch today or breakfast. So yeah. Same. Same. Um, I'm curious about kind of the process of, so myself as a consumer, if I were to go on, you have how many options for the week that I can choose from? Yes. You have 12 items for meal prep. Okay. And you have about 12, um, for family style, maybe one or two more. 
Um, and the same for meal kits. So the difference between the three is meal prep is obvious, right? It's individual meals. Family style meals are, again, for the people that don't want to cook um, mm-hmm. but have a whole family to feed. So meal prep doesn't really make sense for them. And those feed four to six people. And then um, our meal kits are for the people that are like, I actually really love cooking, but you know, I don't want to go to the grocery store or I'm kind of sick of all the stuff I make, like, you know, chicken, broccoli and rice just is so boring as a meal prep. Yeah. So meal kits are great because they can do their own meal prep at home and we kind of give them the portions, uh, the suggested portions that we think they should have. Um, Or, you know, it's just for their family and however they want, kind of like a you know, Blue Apron or whatever, just not the same. (laughs) We're a little more, you know, middle of the line. Do you have a favorite dish that you've put together so far? I know that's, that's asking a lot. You probably, you know what, this might be boring, but I think that our protein balls are so good. I have them all the time, at least every other day. They're easy to make. And I actually can't take the credit for, um, the recipe though, because I got it from somebody else, but I made them and I kind of made them my own and it's what I have every day. And they're on the menu all the time. Like they're always on the menu because they're also the most popular like snack. It's so easy. I love it too. It's like a quick snack, but you get the protein in, hold yourself over. Not yes, empty exactly. Oh, they hold you over for, for a while, for sure. I yeah. It's like a definitely a breakfast meal for me or, or like in between lunch and dinner, it's great. Yeah, perfect. Um, earlier, you had said that you have a kitchen assistant. So it's literally you and one other person who are cooking and piecing together all of this stuff. Outsider perspective, that sounds crazy. I don't understand how you do that and keep saying, I mean, at a certain point, I'm sure that you've kind of gotten into a rhythm, but it feels a, like, to me, it just feels so overwhelming. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep that, um, as more like of a well-oiled machine? If there's any type, type of like higher level tips yeah. that you found that keeps it kind of functioning? Yes. That's a great question. And yes, it is crazy. Um, <laughs> I think there's a few things. So, so we have two delivery days. Okay. So that's helpful and kind of not helpful. It depends how you look at it. It's helpful in the sense that it would be a little bit more challenging to cook for, you know, cook 100, 200, 300 meals in one day. It, so it's nice that people kind of order on two different delivery days because then that's kind of split up. So that's kind of the ease. That's what's helpful. But then what's kind of not helpful is that then there's, you know, yes, there's one cooking day, but then there's the delivery day. Sure. So the way we do it right now, and like I said, we were doing good and then COVID happened. And I think just with the way the economy is right now, people aren't prioritizing meal prep because it is, it is a, it's a treat. It is a treat. You know, it is like a, I mean, not a treat or like a luxury to get your meals mm-hmm. prepared and yeah. have them ready, you know, or I don't think it's that way. I think it's, it's essential. And I don't think it's any more expensive than going to the grocery store or buying every food, you know, like out, um, However, I do think it's just, it, that's the mentality I think of it right now, because it is kind of new. Meal prep isn't, isn't what it was, you know, five years ago. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a new thing um, yeah. for the most part. And, um, you know, we, so we had a halt in, 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 in orders and then now we're trickling back up. 
what is helpful about that is that it helped us get operations really, really um, clean. And so the system is my kitchen assistant goes and she does the grocery shop shopping. So I get all the orders. I organize all the orders, all the quantities, all the labels, which is a job in itself. So while I'm home doing all that, she is out shopping for everything. So she'll shop for everything. She'll put it in the kitchen and then we'll agree on a time on when to meet in the kitchen. And we essentially just go, okay, we're making eight recipes today. And I usually take the ones with the most just complexities, I guess. And she takes the more simple ones. Um, and we just divide it. So that way I'm not making eight recipes. I'm making four and she's making four. And it's a little bit more attainable, even though we might be making, you know, like 20 of four, um, you know, like of each, like it's still not as daunting and actually cooking for more people is not as hard as people think. Like it's more math than anything else, but the actual cooking isn't really, isn't, doesn't really change. It's just the math that you have to get right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's sort of the thing that hangs people up, right? It's like yeah. you're used to, at most, you might be cooking for a family of four or whatever it is, or like, it's just you or it's you and your significant other. And so I feel like as soon as you throw 20 in front of that, like yeah. it just sounds so much scarier to be able to know how much realistically you stop looking at the individual. You stop saying like, oh, this one person is going to eat maybe half a cup of rice. Exactly right. It's now, how how much are 20 going to eat? And it exactly. becomes more of a guessing game. So Exactly. And our meals are portion controlled. So you're either a unit three or a unit four. And um, unit threes have grain, grain defaults. So if it's a rice, I know that they're only going to have half a cup of rice. So half a cup times 30. Or whatever, you know. What did the sorry, what did the units mean? Unit three and four? Yeah. So unit three is a little bit more standard of a meal. Um, unit four is a little bit bigger. So think I always average a three uh, a three unit meal between three hundred-ish and three hundred and sixty calories, like around there. Okay. And then a unit four would be between three seventy-five or three sixty-five, whatever, and like 475. So it's just a, a more standard meal and then a little bit bigger meal. Both standard meals, you can consider them to be standard for male and female. Again, very general, mat, like it's a very general scale. I just want to say that for, because I don't want people coming at me for the calorie thing. I know a lot of people are like huge on that, but it's really just a standard meal that is, should be pretty, um, you know, pretty standard for the, the average you know, weight of a male or a female, assuming that, you know, assuming that they are at an average weight or that, you, you know, something like that. So that's kind of our portion. So each like grain, protein, fat, carb in those unit portions have a value. So for example, if you're a unit three, you're probably only going to have half a cup of rice in a meal if the meal has rice, right? So then for, for us, it's we're just like, okay, we're doing rice on the menu. Great. So we have 33 unit portions that need rice. We just kind of multiply that by 30. Got so it. that's where it's, it's, that needs to be really, really like on because otherwise you get into food waste and food costs and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but other than that, or the worst, which is we don't get enough. And then in the middle of cooking, we have to run to the store because <laughs> that's so, that's oh, the worst, that's the worst. Um, but other than that, I mean, like we divide everything and then, um, I'm still small enough to where we could do that. And to be clear, I need help, but I just, <laughs> I just yeah, can't. It, honestly, right it now. sounds like it, like it, like you 
are taking on a lot and just listening to the way that you're dividing it up right now, obviously manageable, but not ideal to be, to be clear. And it's, yeah, to be clear, I need a kitchen manager. And so, um, but again, like most people starting a business, we do everything as long as we can until we can. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm at right now. So Yep. So we divide everything. We package everything. I usually label everything, package everything because I'm a psycho when it comes to just like I, I literally read an order form, read a packing slip, put the labels on, pack the bag and then reread it and then repack it <laughs> just because I'm so I'm, I don't know. I've, I've gotten it wrong. I've made so many mistakes when I used to, I used to do this by myself for years when it was just a side gig. I used to do it by myself every weekend I haven't really had like a full weekend in years for, for real. Like I say that like really other than holidays, other than when we take holidays or when I like when I would on an off week, when I knew I wouldn't have that many orders, I would say, Hey, you guys, I'm taking a weekend off. Yeah. But other than that, like it, it was all me for a really long time. And I would spend about eight hours doing everything because it's like, I'd have to do the labeling, the ordering, the grocery shopping, and then the unloading. It's all those things no one thinks about. It's like loading all the stuff to the kitchen, loading it off the kitchen and then getting all the, just and any little mistake takes that much longer, you know? Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. So, and then she, at the end, once everything's ready, we, uh, she delivers everything. So we're very much a tag team in that way. I would be lost without her. Shout out to <laughs> Bessie Stratman. She is my right hand. She's so young too. She's like, I might get this wrong. She's like 20 or 21. She's like so young and thank God for her and her work ethic. Cause she's, she's wonderful. Everyone that I have on my team associated with prepped is a godsend, honestly, a godsend. They're so great and they're so talented and I'm, it's everything. It's everything. It's it re- really everything in a business at any time, but definitely when you're starting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so piggybacking off of all of that, what would you say is the most challenging part about owning your own business? I guess doing the things you're bad at, like Hmm. I'm really bad at marketing. I'm really, really bad at like, I don't want to say I'm really bad. I have good ideas, but I'm just not someone that's like, I'm not someone that's going to like post on TikTok every day or Instagram because I'm just not like that in my personal life. You don't think that. Yeah. But unfortunately, we're just in the time where if you have a strong social media presence, like you'll most likely have a strong business if you, you know, if you do it right. And that's so hard for me. It's hard to do all of the things. And then also the things that are, that are, that you're not so good at because it pulls more energy out of you. Right. So if you're already having an exhausting day and then you have to like put together some like Instagram reel to show off your new, like, I don't know, dish that's coming out next week, you're like, blah, it's just so hard, you know, like that for me is so hard for me. And it's hard to do, it's hard, it's hard to learn everything right away. Like I had to learn the new website that we built, the back end of it is WordPress and it has just a bunch of integrations and a bunch of software that um, I've never seen in my life. And basically when it was ready, these developers were like, okay, great, here you go. And you just have to learn. You have to learn all of these things right away. And you have to learn it because A, no one else is going to do it for you. And B, like the menu needs to go out by 11 a.m. on Thursday. So it's like you have to figure it out. And I think that's the hardest part. I'm a pretty organized person. So I think juggling everything is not not the hardest. But I would say the hardest is doing the things that you're bad at with a positive attitude. (laughs) 
that's the key is still smiling about it at the end of the day yeah and I just keep telling myself like this is okay this is the grind you're learning one day you're gonna hire someone to do this for you and it's it's you just have to learn it and you know it's true it's like I use Jessie as a perfect example she's never worked in a kitchen before and I you know made her get her like food cert and all that you know there's a bunch of things that I I catch myself teaching her on the fly that I wouldn't have known if I wouldn't have done all that stuff. So I have to learn a bunch of roles I don't necessarily like, but because then I have to train a team to do it. So then I can go off and do something else. And that's, that's yeah. hard, you know, yeah. because you might not like all that stuff you have to train and, but you have to learn it because it's your business, you know, no one's going to do it for you. So yeah. If you can't do it yourself, then why would somebody else want to, right? Exactly right. Yeah. What's kind of like the ultimate goal in your mind for prepped for days? Where do you, where do you see it going? I don't want to put a timestamp on it, but what would be yeah. like kind of that ultimate, like, you know, star in the sky for you? Two, there's two um, answers for this. And one being um, a brand that supports people in knowing that food is fuel and that planning when and where their meals are coming from will be pivotal for their health and wellness. Um, you know, hopefully we are the brand that people go to for that. But if we're not, at least some type of inspiration for them to start their own meal prep. I really do. I'm, I really think that meal prep is the key to a productive day in life. I just, I do. And obviously I'm biased, but hopefully I inspire people to feel the same. And the boot camp that we're doing, which I think we've just touched on, but the boot camp that we're starting in January um, that has fitness and meal prep kind of coupled together will hopefully teach people that very thing. And then the other part would be um, to have a great place to uh, work and own. I really think that, um, you know, I know I just talked about how freaking hard this has been to get up off the ground, but when it's really booming, this little business is really, is really great. You don't, it's not a, it's not a, five days a week type of gig. Someone wanted to open a kitchen, a franchise kitchen in wherever. They very much would manage a kitchen, cook twice a week, hire people to deliver the food, and they would make a really nice, decent living. And so it'd be, you know, full-time pay for part-time work. I think that's kind of how I see it because you can really, you can really have a high volume kitchen and not cook seven days a week. And or even five days a week. And so I just think it'd be a really great business for someone. And it'd be really cool. I think about like, um, you know, parents, like single parents that, you know, just want that uh, like side gig or, or, or even, you know, stay at home moms or stay at home dads that they, they love that part of their life, but then they just want something on the weekends that they can focus on that's theirs. And I think about how cool of a job this would be for them. It's creative. It's fun. It's, you know, if you love food and, you know, not to to talk bad about any other place I've worked at, but I I, I think that people at the core just want to have a, a job that they're really proud of and that they, they find purpose in and that they, you know, are excited to go to. And um, I just want to, to build that home for people that want to do that. And I think that prep would be, I hope that the culture of prep as we keep growing is is that for, for someone to want to then 
um, make it their own and, and bring it to, you know, their own city. And, you know, the food will stay fresh that way. The quality will stay fresh that way. Everything will be local ingredients. So yeah, that's kind of a two-part answer, but those are my, those are my goals. I really hope that it just becomes kind of like a neighborhood kitchen for someone. I love that. It's so evident that you're very passionate about what you do. So I hope that all of those things come true for you as well. Thank you. Thank you. I do really, I want to kind of pivot a little bit into a section um, more geared towards you as a person and kind of how you tick just to understand like the background of who's behind the business owner, right? You're so much more than just a business owner. So first and foremost, do you have any non-negotiables during the week, things that you have to do in order to feel balanced, complete, happy? Yes. Um, I must get a workout in. I don't really care what type of workout it is, just as long as I'm moving and sweating. And that's mostly just for my mental state, it is for my physical state too, but mostly for my mental state. It just, <laughs> you know, it just gets you clear, gets the endorphins going, gets the energy up. I must, 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 must get eight hours of sleep. I am useless with anything less than, it. I don't know what it is, or maybe it's just my mind, like I put it in my mind, but like I, even when I get seven hours of sleep, I just do not function the same. Like I need that eight hours. I just need it. And anything above eight hours is wonderful. But like, <laughs> I must, must, I, you don't want to be around me. Like, you know, how people get hangry. Like I don't get hangry. I get like, I get like angry when I don't sleep. Like that's- You're exhausted. Oh, I'm useless. I'm useless. I can't think about anything. Can't make any choices. Can't nothing. So sleep, working out, and I would say a moment of slowness. And it doesn't need to be right in the morning, but just a moment where I don't need to do much. It's just slow and I can just do things at my own pace because so much of my schedule is so- scheduled. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so it's just nice to be like, or to look forward to like, okay, with tonight after 6 PM, that's like free time. Or this morning, I don't have to really like do anything, produce anything until, you know, 11 AM or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, most recently I've really enjoyed waking up really early about six, um, getting a workout in showering, changing, and then my quiet time or like my slow time being from like seven ish to like nine. It's just like, I, it's, I have the best ideas at that time. I I am happiest at that time. I it just, I don't know, everything just, just makes sense between those hours of the day for me. <laughs> I start to really, I, I can't do anything super important afternoon. I've noticed that. I My, my energy is in the morning. And then after that, it's like, it, I can't like, I can't generate anything really important after afternoon. I start to wane. <laughs> I'm, I'm very similar. I've, I've always been a morning person, particularly for working out. Like yes. there's, there's a 1% chance that I'll work out after 11 a.m. Like it yeah. just doesn't happen. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Can definitely um, relate. The morning, the morning is where it's at. A hundred percent. And uh, our B prep bootcamp, it's called B prep bootcamp, what we're running in January. Um, it's, it pushes people to work out at 6am. So I'll have to is, in for that. yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, it's really game changer. It's so incredible to have at 645 when your workout's over that it's, that's it. You're done for the day. The rest of the day is just whatever, you know, work or whatever you had to do. 
but then there's no extra energy you have to output and it's wonderful. Um, yeah. and you feel good the rest of the day. So yeah, I'm a total morning person and yeah, I just really need my sleep. Girl needs her sleep. <laughs> um, do you have any guilty pleasures? Oh yeah. I mean, I'd probably say like wine hmm. or just like a drink of any sorts in the evening. That's good. What about? I don't, I don't discriminate. Um, look at one <laughs> here. All of them. All of them. Really. I'm from Texas, so I can't help myself. <laughs> what about um, like things that you consume, not consume? I guess consume in a different way, like TV shows, movies, books, anything. Yeah. Like Guilty pleasures. Oh, I mean, I love me some Kardashians. I just do. Ah. I know. I know. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they needed it. I think they needed it to be done at some point, but, um, I don't know. They're just so out. Like it's, they're so out of touch that when you want to like watch something that just pulls you out of your like reality, it just, they just do it for me, you know? And I just, I just, I'm here for, I'm here for whatever they got. Um, (laughs) Scott is my favorite Kardashian, in case anyone was wondering. But, <laughs> he, is, yeah. he is pretty awesome. I love him. Yeah. So I would say that um, and any, you know, very basic of me, but like very, like all the murder shows, Dateline, Unsolved Mysteries, any documentary about a murder, done. I'm there for it. I love them too. My sticking point as of like, I want to say like the last year. Don't get me wrong. I'm watching them. Yeah. But my sticking point is that it never gets resolved. Like there's yes. no answer at the end of any of these shows. And it's so frustrating. It's just like you've invested seven hours of your time to yeah. <laughs> put together yeah. all of these details of a murder and you don't actually know if the guy did it. Well, and what drives me crazy is like the ones that are really obvious where I'm like, why are we still talking like yeah. next next yeah. show please like this guy did it like he did it and like, then he- how did you guys pull eight hours of this documentary like it's so obvious it's done you know <laughs> yeah yes. I think unsolved mysteries I was just telling my boyfriend this I was like I get so sucked into unsolved mysteries because it's so well done it's very well produced in my opinion and it sucks you in so much that you forget it's an unsolved mystery. So at the end of it, it's obviously unsolved because it's unsolved mysteries. But I'm like shocked every time. I'm like, oh, how is this unsolved? You're not going to tell us? You're not going to tell Yeah. And I'm like, why do I get so shocked after? But yeah, those are my, those are my, my guilty pleasures. Those are all good. Sure. Um, I saved the best for last because it's not, it's not very lighthearted. Um okay. I guess it could be, but, um, for me, one of the main purposes of, you know, putting together this show in the first place was to kind of redefine or re-understand the term success. And I think, you know, at least for me growing up, it was always just like kind of a one track mind, you know, successful when you accomplish this or when you make X amount of money and not to say that those are wrong, but I just, love as I'm getting older, kind of breaking down those walls and understanding what it means for each individual person. Yeah. So with that, what does success mean for you specifically? Yeah, this is a great question. You know, I think for me, success is finding something you do as 
you know, your work or not even work because it doesn't have to be work, but your main focus that makes you feel that that allows you to use your strengths more often than you don't. Because I feel like those are the things that harness confidence and growth. And ideally, I think, inspire others to kind of find their strength and live in that, like live in that part of themselves as well. And all the other stuff doesn't really matter then. I feel like, you know, I'm like I just said, I'm challenged all the time every day because I have to learn stuff I don't want to learn or I don't care to I don't care to learn. But I think my strength strength isn't being really flexible. And again, finding people that are really good at certain things to kind of pull that out of them. Yeah. So with those two things, I think like running a business or starting a business, I think it's it's so um, I think that's so that's so important to do and to have. And so doing this, I think, or starting a business in, in this way allows me to just feel like keep feeding that part of myself, which just feeds me to keep going. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, like money isn't a motivator for me because it totally, it totally is not so much as like a value though. It's more of like a, I don't know. I think there's just a part of me that's competitive, you know? So like for me, it's just like a metric that I can check into. So yeah, I mean, like success is just something that keeps feeding you and keeps hopefully just inspiring you and others around you to, 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 you know, live that, that, that strength and that power that we all have. And we all, we all are so like powerful in different ways. So it's just finding something that allows you to live in that a lot more often every day. And so, yeah. And, and obviously something that, that, that gives you a purpose where you go to bed at night and you wake up and you're like, yeah, like this is something I don't mind contributing to the world, you know, like I'm doing something that's, that's helpful, you know, that for me, that's definitely something that's, that's worthy of success I think I love that before we go um can you let us know where we can find you social website etc yeah so um if you want to check out our website it's um prepfordays.com pretty easy and same thing at prepfordays on instagram um my personal instagram is l-o-r-e-007 my family used to call me lore growing up so just stuck. Um, and, um, yeah, follow us on prep for days on Instagram and on my personal Instagram, uh, if you can, cause we'll start to, um, put out little snippets of our be prep Boot Camp, which I think everyone will love. It'll be fitness and meal prep and wellness, and it'll be an awesome 28 days that we'll spend together. And it'll be really transformative. I think for us to kind of shake off 2020 um come january so i think we can all we can all use that all right yes yes for sure so yep any of those sites um perfect and i'll i'll be sure to include everything in the show notes so that it's easy for people to find as well um thank you so much lorena for being here today and sharing your amazing story i'm certain that it will be inspiring to people i know it was for me so appreciate you taking the time out of your day and and being open with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you. This was so fun. So cool. So thanks for giving me the the opportunity. Of course. All right. That's it for today. Don't forget to follow along for more on Instagram at you might be a badass podcast and let me know your thoughts about today's show. 
and I'll see you again, same time, same place next week.